Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,461. Be prepared to be inspired and buckle up because we're going racing. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today, I'm in South Boston, Virginia, with a very special guest by the name of Colin Garrett. Colin, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? I'm ready. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. You're welcome. Releasing a clutch is something you know very, very well. Before we get started and I give you a bit of a proper introduction, I always like to break the ice this way. What's one little thing that people don't know about you, Colin? Oh, man. I'm an avid outdoorsman, I guess. Uh, you could, I, I guess people know that about me, but I love to mountain bike and mountain bike race. And uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. You know, mountain biking so cool. Back when I was a kid and I, I could be your father, I won't say I could be your grandfather. I hope not. Uh, but at 23, <laughs> no, I hope, no, not at 23, but I could be your father. And uh, mountain biking was something that was just kind of this thought coming out. And we had Swing Stingrays back then that we would turn into moto you know, BX bikes type thing yeah. and modify and, you know, make tracks in the backyard and dig up the yard and mom and dad would yell at you. What did you do to the lawn? <laughs> you know, but Mount, Mount oh, yeah. has come such a long way. And I watched some of these guys on Instagram and YouTube with cameras on their bikes and doing some things that I just go, oh my gosh. So when you talk about racing, what kind of mountain bike racing do you do? I, uh, I primarily enjoy the downhill and enduro side of it. So okay. I don't like the cross country where you have to pedal a lot. I like the, <laughs> yeah. the ski lift where you yeah. get taken up to the top and then you race down. So oh my gosh. Um, it's a little bit more hardcore, but downhill is often regarded as the F1 of mountain biking. So oh, yeah. it, uh, it's definitely kind of where the best of the best go on the World Cup scale. But it, uh, so I like to test myself on that. Well, my hat's off to you. Uh, I watch some of those and it's like watching MotoGP. My heart starts racing because yeah. the last thing you want to see is something bad happen. And I'm just like, holy mackerel. I'm just <laughs> pretty cool. So uh, that's very nice. Well, let me give you a proper introduction here. We're going to dive into this amazing world that you've created for yourself. Colin Garrett is a professional race car driver from South Boston, Virginia, as I said. And at the young age of 23, he defies the conventional path to motorsports success. He started at the age of 15, rapidly ascended, becoming a track champion at 17. His diverse racing career spans NASCAR's Xfinity and Truck Series, SRO TC America, and Pirelli GT4 America. Beyond accolades, Garrett is a trailblazer for social impact. Notably, he pioneered crowdfunding Xfinity Series, cars for military nonprofits, finance stem cell treatments for veterans and unveiled the first braille paint scheme this is interesting with a blind owned sponsor very cool in 2023 he secured the sro tc america tcx class championship congratulations further <laughs> solidifying you. his disruptive legacy in motorsports i love disruptors most recently colin was named the 12th top driver globally for BMW. I've got two of those parked in my garage. So, all right, I'm on the right awesome. team. Yeah. Well, yeah. we'll hear a lot more from Colin in a moment, but first a word from our sponsors. So give them a little love. Buckle up. We're going to have a fast ride today. We'll be right back. 
Are you ready to take charge of your financial future? Then let me introduce you to Capitalize Your Finances. It's an online course designed to empower you with the knowledge and tools for mastering your money. This course will help you lay out the ins and outs of budgeting, the importance of emergency funds, investing strategies, and how to plan for a secure retirement. All this presented by financial planner Chris Paniotu. Chris has developed this course to help you effectively navigate your world of finance with confidence. Stop stressing about money and start taking control. Enroll in Capitalize Your Finance online course today and pave your way to financial success. To learn more, go to CapitalizePodcast.com slash courses or better yet, go to the Cars yeah website show notes page for today's show and click on the link under Capitalize Your Finances. You'll be glad you did. Do it today. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. Their talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. Hey, guess what? Some of you regular listeners will remember back in 2019, I created uh, 10, 11 shows called Cars Yeah TV, where I went to some fabulous locations of past Cars Yeah guests, and we did a TV show about it. Well, they're up on the Cars Yeah YouTube channel. So go check it out at YouTube. Just type in Cars Yeah, and the shows will be there for you to enjoy. I hope you have fun watching. So Colin, my goodness, uh, wow. When I read through your history and what you're doing, I just went, man, how do you start to touch all the facets of this shining gem that you you are? So <laughs> I want to start with racing. Now, the, the path to racing, I mentioned some of it, is very similar. I've had hundreds of racers on the show for a lot of people. I'm a little bit more interested with you in your approach and your racing philosophy. Maybe some career highlights. And we'll get into challenges. We'll get into your philanthropy, which is a deep dive. But racing, how do you approach it? What's your mindset and how do you stay motivated in a very highly competitive field? Yeah, it's actually super interesting because, you know, I started kind of late um, in regards to most other drivers. Uh, you know, I started when I was 14 years old and I started in a pure stock car, South Boston Speedway, and it was it was a huge learning curve in that sense. Uh, you know, I'd never raced before and trying to, you know, catch up to everybody in a sense. Um, and I was only in that class for a year before I moved to a full stock car. So, um, when I got to that full size stock car, I was like, Oh man, I need to, you know, I need to be on it here. So I felt like it was, uh, you know, I was, I was always learning something. Um, there was never, like a time I was like, all right, well, maybe I, you know, I'm kind of like, I'm at my highest moment here or whatever, you know, like I've learned everything I need to learn. I was constantly being thrown to the wolves, uh, basically in every regard. And then, uh, especially in 2018, we went K&N racing, uh, after I'd only been racing for, you know, basically only two years. We're not wow. going to count the pure stock year. Yeah. So yeah. it was like, you know, just full blown into it. So racing to me has, 
you know, I've always loved it since a kid. We don't really know how my family doesn't come from a uh, racing background. So coming into this, I don't know, it's obviously my career. But when I'm at the track, like I am there for the one job, like that is my job. I'm not there to do anything else. I'm not really there to have fun. I do like to have fun. But you know, it is kind of my business. Um, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I had, you know, I'm I'm full blown into it. A lot of people, you know, they go to the track and they're just, oh, you know, whatever. But I mean, it is like full blown, like, I'm there for work. Yeah, this is this is what I do. I I mountain bike for fun, like we talked about. That is my fun. I don't go to the racetrack for fun. So for at the racetrack, it's serious. Yeah, it's so. the office. You know, I wanted to ask you a little bit about innovation in racing and some of the innovative techniques and technologies that you've utilized, strategies in the race car. And, and we'll dive next after this into this transition between different cars. That's an entirely different challenge, no doubt. But are there some innovative techniques and in, in even with technology that you've employed that has helped you in your process? I mean, I think the most obvious one is iRacing. Um, iRacing is definitely a uh, huge tool that's gotten way more popular, I'd say, in the last four years probably since COVID happened. Um, I've been on it since 2017. But yeah, I mean, that's I feel like it's the most innovative thing in the last decade, we'll say, or however long, 15 years that iRacing's been around. I mean, that's that's changed a lot of uh, careers. And I, I mean, it's birthed a few careers. I can think of a few in the NASCAR field that are uh that are around because of iRacing and uh i mean that gran turismo movie i'm mean, basically the yeah, same I thing i just watched um, that a couple weeks yeah. ago it was good i liked it yeah i haven't gotten the chance to watch it yet but i you know know the story so it's it's huge so i'd say that's probably the biggest thing and then other simulators i was uh, fortunate enough to run uh for trd at one point and i got to go on their trd simulator and uh see all that so in terms of technology i think that's that's pretty much takes the cake uh above everything other than that um you know there's in the sports car stuff we have cameras and different telemetry and stuff and uh you know you go back and go through all of it after each session and stuff so i think that's that's obviously very important and is uh is a big factor now well no kidding uh Back in 2019, I had I was delving into the TV world, and I created a TV series called Cars. Yeah, you can see some of the shows on YouTube right now. And I went to meet with a guy named Chris Considine, who owns CXC Simulations. Okay. And I was blown away at how real that felt. And I raced, I've not raced at your league, but I raced vintage cars for 12 years. And yeah, you could pick cars, you could pick tracks. And I even tried to fly an aircraft or a jet off aircraft carrier. That didn't go well. Uh, so <laughs> the Navy's not been calling me after seeing that, that that was hard to do. But he said, you need to start with a little airplane because, you know, the jets are a real big deal and they're very realistic. But yeah, that kind of racing is, is wow, what a tool to have. You know, the other thing I want to talk about, and I touched on this, was the transition, the fast transition before the different cars. How How have you dealt with the versatility needed to do what you're doing so yeah i mean that goes back to you know when i was coming up in racing you know i said i started in the pure stock and then limited late model and then late models and super late models and trucks and xfinity and pro late models and then sports cars and everything so it's kind of been the story of my whole career in 2017 you know i'd only raced a pure stock which again i said we won't count because it didn't, didn't amount to much uh a little nissan car that wasn't that great it was a start it, it was a start so but once I finally got an actual stock car, the only thing I'd race is a limited late model. Well, in 2017, I guess in my third year racing now, um, 
you know, we were going for the championship at South Austin Speedway, and we also started running late model races uh, up at Dominion Raceway in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And we went on to race a couple of the marquee races towards the end of the season. But uh, going back and forth between those cars was a huge challenge. They had uh, different power. It on and if you look on paper, like they're basically the same car, but as far as like driving them, it just it was so different power wise. It was only you know probably seventy five horsepower or so, but still is. It's a good amount in a little four tenths mile oval. In 2018, I left the limited late model scene and went to late models uh, full time, or so we thought, and then ended up going Canon racing full time, and which is a completely different car. I mean, that's that goes back to like the old Cup car style deal. So I was trying having to learn that car as well as race late models at the same time. 2019 was by far the craziest year when I started racing Xfinity trucks, super late models. Pro late models and late models all in the same season. So oh I was gosh. jumping back and forth between cars. It was crazy. That still, that year was the highlight of my career. We didn't get any wins that year, but we were in contention for 80%, 90% of them. I mean, it was a crazy year. And I mean, we just, you know, things happened. We're leading a few big races at the end and then just, you know, get crashed or whatever. So that was a, that was a big year. And I think that was kind of like the turning point in my career learning so much that year driving different stuff and we were in contention to win in basically every every car that i drove so 2020 kind of screwed us with covid I, you know every, kind of screwed everybody no kidding yeah we had uh we had some big happen that felt ended up falling through because of covid and then we also missed the race at daytona which i think was also kind of killed us in the xfinity car so yeah it was just a few things there that kind of Killed the momentum for the next couple of years, but at the end of 21, actually early in 21, I had been uh, scrolling through Facebook in my apartment in Mooresville, and I saw this guy, he was needing someone to come drive a sports car in a WRL race, World Racing League, uh, I can't remember where it was, but I was like, well, that's always interested me. I've always loved Formula One since the age of like 14, 15, something like that, and uh, I was like, well, this seems cool. So I messaged him and ended up, I couldn't run that race. Well, he messages me later that uh that year and it was like hey we have a seat open for coda uh in the new bmw gt4 or i guess it was that current gen at the time would you be interested i was like yeah that sounds cool he was like well danny suarez is gonna be your teammate i was like well that's a pretty good teammate for that so <laughs> yes i uh i go down there and i didn't know what was going on never done anything like this before in my life and i show up we get to the garage and lo and behold next to me in the garage is one of my dad's best friends of like 40 plus years. Oh my gosh. Uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. And I hadn't seen him in four years, I guess at this point, three or four years. Wow. Yeah. So, and I hadn't even spoken to him. So when I saw him, I was like, Oh man, stop. What are you doing here? That person ended up being Todd Brown, the owner of Rooster Hall racing. Oh my goodness. Wow. Okay. Yep. So <laughs> you see where this is going. Um, so it was, you know, it was cool, whatever. Uh, we got to see him there, and then uh, a couple weeks later, they call us to go down to PBOC in Sebring, a uh, track event down there. And he's like, you want to come run this uh, BMW on two? I was like, sure. And then he was like, well, we should go TC racing about like halfway through the week down there. And so then I you know, go sports car racing, and then on top of that, we go GT4 racing this year. So it was like having to jump back and forth between those cars, it's, it's crazy. So the two cars, they drove completely different this year. One had huge brakes, one didn't have uh, brakes, one was manual brakes, one was boosted brakes, one's longer wheelbase, one is more power. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. So 
yeah, it's been it's been crazy. You definitely have to be in the mindset when you get in each car. It's like, all right, like, you know, this is this is the car I'm driving at this time. Well, yeah, my hats off to you for these uh, this uh, DCF class championship that you were awarded. Uh, really awesome. I mean, really really cool. And the ranking too. Wow. Uh, at this point in time. Thank it's, you. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's just incredible. And uh, that leads me to a question about how do you, I mean, physically, it's physically. You work out, you take care of yourself. You got to these days with racing to a level that's way beyond way back when I was a kid watching drivers smoke as they're walking out to their car. You know, <laughs> Or smoking in the car, yeah. Or in, yeah, I mean, yeah, while they're feeling it. And I was like, oh my gosh. Uh, but what I would think a big part of this is mental. And I've had many driving coaches on the show, people that have written, 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 have written great books about mental, how to be mentally fit for any kind of sport, which is so much of a big part of it. You look like, look at somebody like Tiger Woods that went through a really bad period of time where his, his head just wasn't there. The skills are there, but the head's not there. And that follows. What do you do to be mentally prepared so you can stay competitive in all these different kinds of cars? Yeah. So the mental side of it, I'm in good shape. We'll say, I'm not going to say I'm in fantastic shape. Again, I mountain bike, but I take a ski lift to the top. So I'm not pedaling everywhere. (laughs) Um, I go to the gym, not as much as I should, you know, yada, yada, yada. I run my shifter car a whole bunch. Uh, I was actually just doing that yesterday to kind of stay up on the fit side of things and stay up on the driving side. You know, I, I haven't been in a car since October, so it helps, you know, staying fit and keep my skills sharpened. But Mentally, I mean, that's kind of the biggest thing, especially in sports car racing. I mean, you only in GT4 and uh, TC, our races were only 40 minutes to an hour, but it was a very slow hour in the TC cars and it was a very fast hour in the uh, GT4 cars. So you had to be, you know, perfect basically during those races because they're not very long. You know, I did just say they're long, but they're in the grand scheme of things, they're not that long. You look at a NASCAR race, they're, you know, two plus hours. You look at a normal sports car race, they're minimum two hours plus. So you normally have a lot longer to mess with stuff. But for this, man, I mean, if you made a mistake, you were done. So, I mean, you just had to be perfect. And uh, I've been fortunate enough, actually, in the beginning of 2020, right before COVID, we hired a driver coach to work with me. He used to say he's a driver coach. He's not particularly a driver coach. He's a more of a performance coach. So he works with me basically on all the mental stuff before I get in the car at the beginning of the day, he actually stays in the RV with us. Um, so he's with us the entire uh, race weekend. He keeps me in check when I'm trying to stay up too late, um, <laughs> watch <laughs> YouTube or something. He's like, you need to go to bed. I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to go turn on the TV in my room now, I guess. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, kind of guilty of that. But, um, you know, we wake up in the morning, make sure I, uh, I eat something. I get on. He actually has me. I normally bring a bike to the, uh, to the racetrack and he'll have me. Get on it, pedal around, um, kind of try to balance on it, and then we do different warm-up activities and stuff. And he's been super good in the, uh, you know, focusing on, yes, the mental side, but also, like, eyesight and hearing and feel and stuff like that, like, where things people may, yeah, yeah, people may uh, overlook that a little bit. But, you know, I think that's a big part of the mental side is you just have to, you have to be, all those things have to come together for it to for it to work so i had um, a i had a guest on the show a while back uh jacques dallier who wrote performance prime or has the performance mm-hmm. prime have you heard of him i have not no oh you gotta look him up yeah uh really amazing he talked a lot about this he's a, a coach um and uh his website something like helping kids perform it works in all sorts of sports and things like that but very much very much the same 
uh, Chip Robinson referred him to me or the racer. So very important. You know, another thing that I like to ask about is influences or people that are mentors and so forth. I understand you have two brothers in the military. I do. Yep. Uh, one actually just got out here recently. Mm-hmm. And then the other is the company commander of an Apache tech unit down in uh, Fort, uh, yeah, Fort Cav, I guess we're going to call it down Fort Hood wow. uh, down in Texas. So they just changed all the names. So very yeah, cool. But, well, yep. I appreciate their service. I, I wanted to, to see if this was what tied into part of what you've done in philanthropy. And one of them is training members of the military and tactical driving. Yep. Yep. As if you're not yeah, busy so, enough. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I've, my brothers are my half brothers. So there we have different dads. Their dad was actually in the army. He was an army ranger. They are obviously super big in the military and my grandfather and their grandfather. And I think my grandfather, yeah, actually all, all my grandfathers know that I think about it. Um, we're all in the military. And if you go back on like my mom's side, I've had a family member in like every major American conflict ever. So it's pretty crazy. Yeah. When you actually look at it and, uh, you can go back and like, see, I have a, a family member that was in the revolutionary war and stuff like that. So, um, it's pretty cool to, pretty cool to look at, but so needless to say the military has kind of always been a part of, uh, my family, um, especially with my brother's dad being in the military, uh, growing up, that was kind of like the thing their dad was in the Navy or their grandfather, sorry, their dad, grandfather was in the Navy, was a pilot in Vietnam. And so, you know, I just kind of always had that around me. And it's just what we did. We, my brother ended up the one that's company commander. He ended up going to a military school that was here in the uh, South Boston area um, called Hargrave Military Academy. And I ended up going there for a year. Wasn't really my thing. I really only went there because my brother was there and uh, he ended up going on to VMI. And then I came back to uh, school here in Halifax. So that's just, it's, been kind of ingrained or engraved in our blood we'll say yeah so and then my other brother he ended up working he went guard and then went also like full-time army like working it was kind of a subsidiary of the pentagon up there and then he was a contractor and stuff like that so um they've been all around it i've been all around it um but the reason why i started working uh with the tactical driving stuff was we started working with racing for heroes on the nonprofit side so, you know, we're trying to find an organization uh, that we can help. I've been working with a company called Mission 22 for a few years now, actually since I was 15, I guess I'd been working with them. Um, and their, you know, their mission was to stop veteran suicide. And we found out about Racing Piras, which is local right here at Virginia International Raceway. So we went over to talk with them and we ended up partnering with them full time. And they have a for-profit side called RFH Tactical Mobility. And I went... To uh, work with them, I guess in 21, I started working with them uh, on that side and training military uh, units and different military units, um, how to tactical drive and uh, pretty much everything else. We do off-road driving, we do on-road driving, we do all sorts of stuff. So it's uh, it's a really cool, really cool opportunity to do. We train people from all sorts of walks of life. We do missionaries that uh, you know, live overseas in uh, kind of sketchy areas. Right. And then, uh, you know, we train everyone from missionaries to SEAL teams. I mean, it's it's crazy. So. Oh, my gosh. What fun. Well, 
Very cool. And it doesn't stop there, it seems like, with you. You uh, have a commitment to veterans as well, as you touched on there. Um, wanted to have you talk a little bit about that. And, and an interesting aspect that I know about you, and that is the mutual benefits of collaborating with veteran-owned businesses and how they can be great opportunities for both parties. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, like I said, we we're trying to find a nonprofit to work with, and we found Race of Heroes, which is local. And we started working with them a whole bunch. And then people started coming to us and we started finding more people as well. Uh, most notably, right after Race for Heroes was the Rosie Network. And that is run by, um, by a lady who is a uh, mill spouse. And what they do is they uh, work with, uh, they're like an online thing. So they help veteran entrepreneurs like if they're getting out of the military starting their own business you know they're um help them get a business going then they also help uh mill spouses when they're you know they're moving around they're going off to different bases and stuff they don't really they can't have like a set job you know somewhere so uh what they do is most of them you know will start their own business or something like that so the rosie network will help them uh a lot with that and so that was super cool yeah so we started doing a little bit more with them and racing for heroes. And since we added some more people on there and it just kept getting kind of bigger and bigger and bigger. And we we're like, well, we can't have these people on the car like every week. Like we can't fit everyone on the car at this point. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of these companies weren't promoting themselves that well. So what we did was we started the 1111 veteran project, which kind of incorporated everybody into one program. So now people will go to the 1111project.com and see like, Oh, these, this is everybody that, uh, we work with, and this is the services they provide. And that's gotten kind of bigger as we've gone. We've partnered up with so many more companies. And uh, most recently, the two that we've worked with is Tech for Troops that uh, teaches guys, um, you know, how to use different things like Microsoft Business or Word or whatever, you know, just different uh, online programs, teaches them how to use computers, um, different programming things. And then uh, also Hilarious, which is a comedy nonprofit, which helps the uh, form of comedy um, and healing for wow. veterans. So, wow. yeah, kind of getting, you know, making jokes at their uh, at what they've gone through and stuff. Yeah. So rather yeah. than uh, keeping it bottled up. So that's been a it's been a cool organization that we worked with here recently. You know, just amazing what you're doing. And what's what's even more spectacular about this is being at your age, having discovered the importance of helping others and giving back. And I, people always ask me after Speaking with so many people, 2,463 now, plus, because some shows have a couple people on them, yeah. what I've learned, and what I've learned is that when you figure out a way to give back and help people, you are at your happiest. And I always suggest to people that are kind of lost or frustrated or angry in life is, what are you doing to help others? And when they f- figure out that that's possible in a variety of ways at all sorts of levels, you don't even have to have money to do it, just time you figure out that that is the secret sauce to life. That is how you remain happy. And you figured it out young. Where did this come from? Were your parents very much a force in that to drive you in that direction? Yeah, there's definitely a, a driving factor from that side. But honestly, and the whole Mission 22 thing, when I was uh, I was younger, like I said, I was like 14 or 15 when I, uh, I started doing that. I mean, that was completely on my own. I, I reached out to them. So um, there was already kind of that ingrained in me, but I guess, you know, my parents have obviously been a driving factor in some of that as well. They help out around the community and everything. So, um, but, you know, then again, both my brother's in the military and 
all my family members have been in the military. So it's kind of like, uh, you see the need, it's, you know, it's just, it's, yeah, it's, it's what, you know, we see it firsthand. So, yeah. um, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. What you're doing. What a pillar. I want to talk about a, a, spe- a special vehicle in your life. This could be a street car or a race car, but one car, when you look back, and I know you're a young guy, but you've had more cars in your lives than most people have that are my age. Uh, <laughs> one vehicle that really stands out, maybe share a story about that ride. The BMW E30. That is my favorite car <laughs> in the world. Um, it had, I honestly can't tell you why. I think it was when I was like 14 or so. I was right before when I was when I was trying to get into racing. I think my family we didn't know what route we were going to go. We didn't know if we were going to, uh, you know, race locally here at South Boston Speedway or not. Um, you know, we we had no idea what to do, but we knew I wanted to do it a lot. So we're exploring all the options, and I think I remember kind of vividly. My brother was like, well, "Why don't we get like a shitty E30 or something and go?" racing at VIR or something like that. We heard of that champ car series at the time. Sure. I guess it's called chump, chump car. Chump car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. A little bit <laughs> like lemons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they've changed the name of champ car now to make it a little more appealing. But, um, yep. he said something about the E30 and I don't know why I, I looked it up and that's been like my favorite car now for almost a decade. And I mean, it's, I sit on bring a trailer basically all the time sitting there going through them and Looking at them. seeing which one's closest and nicest ones and everything. And I've, uh, I've got a shell of one in my garage right now that I'm eventually going to build into. I don't really know what I've started off as a drift car. It's literally a bare chassis. I think I'm going to end up building into that, but yeah, it's crazy. I've got my late model engines from back in the day. So crazy, like 500 horsepower V8 that I can throw into it and, uh, make it super cool. But yeah, and then my team owner, Todd Brown, we had a deal going that if I won the Touring Car America Championship for him, he would get me a BMW E30. Nice. So he has one at a shop. It's a 1985 uh, BMW 325ES, mm-hmm. so Eda Sport. Yeah, and it's pristine. It was a barn find that he found like back in 2015, I think. And uh, he's currently getting the engine rebuilt and everything for me. So I'm going to deliver it, and it's going to be basically brand new. So oh, that's man. been my favorite car. Um, obviously the M3 is kind of like the, the gold standard. Well, E30, there's a series up here in the Pacific Northwest. They run those, a racing series, uh, you know, not professional racing series, but I mean, the guys are, they're very serious about it yeah, and yeah. Uh, wonderful series they run. And yeah, I love those cars and I've got plenty of friends who've had E30 M3s. I've had four M3s, but they were e- E36s and, um, E46. I've got an E4605 in my garage now. I bought new. So yeah, um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, they're great. But yeah, the, something about the E30s. I worked with a guy for years, Tim, who was worked in racing. He helped me a lot when I was vintage racing. He taught me how to tear my car down, put it back together, and it was really a, a, a mentor to me as far as learning how to work on race cars and things. And he had an E30 that had, I think, when he sold that, it had over 500,000 miles on it. I mean, it was just, uh, yeah, yeah. He was, he was a good mechanic. He knew how to work on stuff and yeah, yeah, yeah. all that. But, uh, yeah, it drives me insane. I see, uh, so VJ, who's my performance coach and, uh, Todd Brown and all those guys who've been BMW racing forever. They're like, oh yeah, we used to have BMW M3s, and he look, and they're just beating the shit out of him oh, and stuff. Yeah. I'm like, oh no, it's like, yeah, these I, are well, they so beca- nice like a lot of collector cars, they just become really valuable, and that's a, a little yeah. bit of a problem. I sold a wonderful car I had a year ago, summer, uh, an e- um, 
E30. No, it was a 930 Porsche Turbo 87. Yeah. And uh, the problem was it was just, it was super rare because of the color and it was in yep. all original. And I just wasn't driving. I was too afraid to, somebody would smash into it or do something to it if I left it parked yeah. somewhere. Yeah. So uh, now it lives uh, in a much nicer garage, just about 30 minutes north of me. So it's with, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's with about 50 other of its brethren. This guy collects uh, very rare Porsches, so oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, nice thing is he said, "Hey, Mark, steal your car, come up and drive it anytime." So that's a nice. Yeah, thing. that's so, cool. Yeah, that really yeah, cool. exactly. So I'm going to crawl into your head. I play car psychologist. If you were reincarnated or manifest as a vehicle, what kind of car would Colin be, and why? Mm. Hmm. Gotta dig deep for this one. Yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. Um. Oh man. <laughs> here's here's what you do. Start with: Are you a race car or are you a street car? That that's what I was going with. Okay. I think I would probably be more of a street car. I would, I think I'd be a bit of a crossover thing because cross? I love the mountains. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love the mountains. I need to be able to go in the mountains, but I also like to go fast. So I was trying to think of something that goes fast, but is also kind of off roady. How about a so, Porsche Dakar? That's actually a very great option. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is probably it right there. Okay. Um, yeah. 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 That yeah. is. Something kind of cool. So. Yeah, um, it's amazing. You now those cars have become flipping cars. People get on a very short list, get one, and then immediately sell it for a large, large markup. I think I saw one sell for close to five hundred grand just recently. I bring oh. a trailer. It's really a shame. But uh, you wonder if any of those will yeah. ever get out in the dirt. You know, if they'll just be garage trophies no. for people. I hope they do. No. I, hope, I hope somebody with a, a big checkbook. We'll take it out and drive it the way that it was designed to be driven because it's a pretty cool deal. And you see a lot of these. There's guys now building those cars, off-road 911s with old G-body cars or 964s and, you know, making them. I've seen them, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've got a few yeah. friends that have actually ordered and bought one uh, because they're taking them out. And like, if it's not original, they're more likely to use it, you know, so uh, – yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll make, we'll yeah. make you a Dakar. I didn't want to put words in your mouth, but I think you were leading me down the right path. No, I mean, that, that definitely hits the nail on the head there. You know, like I said, I like the mountains, like off-road stuff, but also need to be able to go fast every once in a while. Out so. on a logging road somewhere with your mountain bike mounted on the top. That sounds like a deal. Exactly. <laughs> cool. Yeah. How about a great book? Colin, is there a great book that you could share with me? Um, I've read a couple here recently semi-recently we'll say hmm, i'm trying to think of a good one so the first one that came to mind was the art of racing in the rain that one was super good and terrible um <laughs> yeah. i have a i have a golden retriever so it kind of hit close oh to home. my goodness um, yeah 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 so which is named his name is hamilton after lewis hamilton so it kind of oh, like, there you go. I like <laughs> the, the same deal yeah so yeah. um yeah i think that's kind of my favorite book but if we're gonna go I don't know. Yeah, I'd say that that probably hits it there. Okay, um, well, you know, there's some few others. I uh, I read mostly, you know, like autobiographies or biographies or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, they're just, you know, stuff like that. So, I, like I said, I'm an outdoorsman. Um, Alex Honnold, who did the free solo of El Capitan uh, oh, yeah. seven years ago now. His book is really good. Um, Tommy Caldwell, who's in that uh, movie as well. He's got a few books that are really good. Um, yeah, I mean, I've got a few, so. All right. Well, Garstein was a guest on the show. He actually lives up here in the Pacific Northwest and he's got a a really cool alpha that's kind of a grape purpley color, deep, dark color. And I met him at a book signing for some of his kids' books. I bought some of his kids' books before we had grandchildren, hoping that we would, and I would share those with them. And I said, you got to get on my show because your book, along with AJ Bames' Go Like Hell, are the most recommended book books on my show so he goes okay yeah. we'll do that and, 
And there you go. So that, that's, that's awesome. That's how I got him. So let's go on the ultimate drive before I let you go today, Colin. I'm going to park anything in your garage. Don't worry about the price. I'm going to pay for it. You can take it anywhere. But here's the key. You can take anybody with you, including somebody from the past that's no longer with us. So that opens up a wide variety of co-pilots. What does the ultimate drive look like for a guy who's been on many ultimate racetrack drives? Oh man, these are crazy questions. <laughs> I know. Um, I don't answer. I don't ask the normal stuff of people. I know, which is awesome. I like this. Hmm. I'm gonna have to go. You know, I love the '80s, so I'm still gonna keep with the E30 M3 okay. or the uh, the 190E. So I like that boxy style. Yeah, it have to be one of those two. And oof, where do you want? Where past? do you want to go driving? I mean, anywhere in the world, I'll ship it. Ship you, fly you. Yeah, I've got several private jets. I fly people all the time, so don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> you believe that? Yeah. I've got a cargo carriers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'd want to be in Europe. I love Europe. Um, mountains in Europe, maybe you know, towards Italy, coast of Italy, or something like that. Sure. Monaco, something like I don't know. With who yeah, though? Who that's you a, with? Yeah, it could be anybody. Awesome I mean, question. and the great thing about the with question is. Somebody that's no longer around. So somebody from the past. I know that that opens it up. A bit wide world. Yeah. Um. So if I was going to do someone current, it'd probably be Lewis Hamilton. I maybe. kind of thought I so since you, could, you named yeah. your dog after him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is funny because I'm not like a huge race fan either. Because like I said, it's my job. So I don't really want to like go to the racetrack and stuff. Like yeah. I, uh-huh. I, I watch Formula One and like I'm pulling for Hamilton, but I don't really like, care who wins that much. But if it was someone past, I think someone like a James Hunt or a hmm. James, you're going to be partying with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Um, yeah, it depends what decade James Stewart uh, yeah. or James Hunt or Nikki. I think uh, loud that would have to be. Yeah, I yeah. think that would be two very two. opposite people you know i mean i know well that that's what's interesting is that i'm either like nikki at the racetrack or i'm like james kind of outside or i feel like i'm like it's probably not even close but yeah yeah uh, yeah maybe you don't want to be too much like him he was a little bit out there but uh yeah um, i'll I'll let us leave a little room for him to do his thing but he uh yeah i think i think those are my my three choices all right sounds like fun you taking us on a great ride today i knew that you would i wondered if you could leave us with some parting words of inspiration or wisdom it is the first of the year so time to uh, set the tone for success in the future yeah so i think you know um enjoy it while it's there i uh I don't seem to do that option often. Like I said, I uh, when I'm at the racetrack, I'm there for business and don't don't really get to enjoy it that much. I uh, I was at Sonoma last year, uh, or I guess two years ago now, and we were on the track walk. We were in the mountains of California, essentially there in Sonoma, and uh, it just rained. Uh, it was foggy down in the bottom. We were doing the track walk, and we were up on top of the hill by like turn four i guess and you could see all the way down and i was like man if i don't race again this is, this is pretty cool so um yeah i just think just like take it in um while you're while you're doing it so i look back a lot of my nascar stuff it's like man i didn't take it in so stop and smell the flowers once in a while yeah 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 be present in the moment which is which is what you are in racing really when you think about racing you're present in every second of the moment and nothing outside is is in your periphery. It's all, it's all about that moment. But at the same time, yeah, enjoying those little moments, the track walks, the people. I see why that's hard to do when you're serious as you are, and that's how you get to be successful. But uh, it's a good thing to remember. So yeah, for sure. for sure. Enjoy it while you're there. How can people follow along with you and learn more about what's coming up this year? 
Yeah, so they can follow me, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or X, whatever it's called now, TikTok, any of those things, uh, at Colin Garrett Webb, W-E-B at the end of it. My favorite driver in NASCAR was Jeff Gordon growing up, so I copied his username when I was coming <laughs> into racing, so nice. that's what it is now. So yeah, cool. yeah, so Colin Garrett Webb, basically on everything, and then ColinGarrettRacing.com, I'll keep you up to date. So. Nice. I'll put links to those on Colin's show notes page. Try to keep up with this young man. Good luck. But uh, you can follow him so you can find everything there. Uh, and I want to do a shout out. Thank you to Melinda Jackson of Melinda Jackson PR. She's the one that got me together with Colin. So Melinda, hey, you brought an all-star here to Cars Yeah. Thank you very much. She, I'll tell you, she is awesome. Uh, you got the right yeah, person she's on really your cool. team. She is so spit spot. Uh, I deal with a lot of different people in the PR world. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love everyone to be like Melinda. So thank you, Melinda. Yeah, she keeps me in check for sure. Yeah, so that's what you I, need. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not the best <laughs> at answering emails or anything. I've had many PR people and the past from different teams I've raced for, and they all hate me because I'm terrible at it. <laughs> well, so, something to but, strive for this year, Colin. Yeah, exactly. uh, we can always improve in very, very, a lot of varieties in life. Well, I want to thank you and congratulate you for what you've done and where you're going. Uh, thanks for being so generous today with your time and sharing your story. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road or most likely at a racetrack. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. 20, 50, or 100 years from now, will there be a workforce to care for the collector vehicles we love? With auto shop programs disappearing across the country, it's a question we enthusiasts have to ask. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these vehicles aren't lost to time. One of the many ways RPM, which is short for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship, is accomplishing this goal is through workforce development initiatives. The RPM Apprenticeship Program enables the next generation of artisans to earn a living while they learn the craft of restoring and preserving these vehicles directly from industry professionals. The Endangered Skills Program documents the process of masters training future craftspeople on a variety of critical skills in danger of being lost forever. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of the collector vehicle skills trade, visit RPM Foundation today. They're one of the charities of choice here on Cars Yeah! Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!